Welcome back. We are talking through Hebrews 11, and today we are going to touch on Joseph. And we're going to look at Hebrews 11:22. 22, um, but Joseph is this big, huge character, and he has a lot of applicable life situations that go along with the story. Maybe not applicable now um, specifically, but there are a lot of things um, throughout his life that we can look at and apply Um, some of the lessons that he has learned. And so in order to have context for what is in 1122, we're going to look through Joseph's early life today. And then in our next episode, we're going to look through his um, second half, not necessarily even life halfway, but um, kind of the turning points of his life. So um, does that make sense? Yeah. Say that right. So that's what we're going to do um, for for the Hebrews passage. We're going to look at eleven twenty two. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. Okay, so yeah, if you don't have any context for that, it doesn't make any sense. So we're going to jump all the way back to Genesis. And we're going to look at Genesis, um, today we're going to look at Genesis 37 through 40, but we're not going to look at 38 because that, um, in what we're looking at, doesn't apply to Joseph. That's about Joseph's brother. So we're just going to stick with Joseph. So we're going to look at 37, 39, and 40. So, okay. Yeah. So we kind of start out with um, um, Jacob and Joseph and all the other brothers at this point are all living in the land of in the land of Canaan, the promised land. And Joseph Joseph is a young man of seventeen, and he's tending flocks with his brothers. And um, he is the youngest. Yep. He's no, the Benjamin's the youngest. Oh, Benjamin. Well, oh. Uh, has he? I don't know if Benjamin's there yet. I'm sure. uh, yeah, I'm not sure when Benjamin exactly came in. Yeah, good point. But you can dig on that one. But it's a pretty dysfunctional family. Um, you know, there's four separate women, <laughs> right. two kind of official wives, and then they've given each of them have given a maid to Jacob as another wife, and now there's a bunch of kids, right? All and, from. These four women. Right. Joseph is Jacob's son. Mm -hmm. So there's the connection also. No. Yeah, Yeah. Joseph is Jacob's son. Yes. 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 Okay. They all are Jacob's. They're all Jacob's sons. They are. But that ties um, just so that you have some context as to where things are going lineally. Got Um, it. You know, we talked last week about Jacob. Right. And so Jacob, one of his sons is Joseph. And Joseph is the son of Jacob and Rachel. And Rachel, who was the 
beloved wife. Yes. Uh, right. Of Jacob. So, and by okay. the way, Benjamin definitely was born. And the oh, way we okay. know that is later on in the story, Joseph asked about Benjamin. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. Okay. There yeah, we go. Good right. point. You're right. Good it's point. a logic thing. No. But <laughs> yeah. Benjamin was not Rachel's. Yes. Yeah, Benjamin, Benjamin is Rachel's. There's only Joseph Rachel and had Benjamin two, Joseph and Benjamin. Yeah, Joseph and Benjamin. I was thinking, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Ah, we're good. Well, so one of the things I loved about this very beginning part is that um, Joseph's kind of a tattletale when he's young. So he's 17 <laughs> years old, and he runs home and tells his dad what his brothers have been up to. It's a bad report. That's the way the word um, describes it. But then the very next verse, um, 37.3 says, now Israel, who's Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. So it's interesting. At this point, Jacob or Joseph is, um, you know, he's not very mature. Um, he's caught up in the jealousy and the stuff, just like all the other brothers are, because he feels like he needs to let his dad know just how bad they are. Um, and because they they did not have a kind word to say about Joseph at no, all. Yeah. They were, I imagine, they were constantly on him. Oh, here comes Daddy's little favorite yeah. little boy. Oh, here's you know. So yeah, and maybe just kind of backing up. It, it was significant. Leah wasn't the love of Jacob's life, right? So there's all these, there's Reuben, Simeon, um, Levi, Judah, Gad, Asher. All these people are from other ones who weren't the love of, you know, of his life. I wonder what would have happened if he only had Rachel as his wife. Yeah. A lot of that distress and everything would not have happened. Right. And even, even after this story, a lot of the fighting between the tribes, the yeah. tribe of mm-hmm. Judah, the tribe of that, that all happened. Um, that continued, all that strife and all that, um, you know what, unfinished, so as a therapist, unfinished therapy that they needed to get into. <laughs> <laughs> they needed family therapy. They needed some family therapy, that's right. for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I'm also looking at this, like Jacob set Joseph up for that. Yeah. I mean, that's the way he was raised. Yeah. And that's not true. only did he, you know, speak highly of him and he, he thought that he was um, his favorite, but he made it outwardly known. Yeah. He gives Joseph this amazing coat of many colors. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's even a symbol of like when he's just walking around the town, like, look at me, I'm the favorite. Mm-hmm. I'm the I'm fancy pants. The rest of yeah. y'all go be with your stinky sheep. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know what I used to do when I was, I was an adult at this point. It was just funny. I would sign my name, like Rosemary, your favorite sister. <laughs> yeah, you know, or yeah. I do it to my mom, your favorite daughter, your favorite yeah. child. <laughs> my mom would go, I don't even know what to say to this. Like she would, Oh, I love you. But she wouldn't know what to say. I just loved the discomfort of it all. It was a <laughs> campaign. And then I just let it go. Cause I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> it's fun. Um, the coats in those days, coats um, represented your place in society and in the family. And giving Joseph the baby when everything should go to the firstborn. So you've given Joseph this wonderful coat that shows him that he has fav- he's a favorite, 
and that he has a bit of a, um, uh, oh my gosh, I lost the word. Um, high, in the hierarchy, he's above them. Oh yeah. Um, like a leadership. status has been elevated. And yeah, a leadership position is what his cult kind of said. Mm-hmm. And that, that doesn't sit well when you're, you know, 11 brothers are older than you. Yeah. <laughs> and you're the baby. Yeah, usually the baby does get a coat of many colors, but it's because there's patches on it. Passed we down. We had arm right. on it. We had two things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's and a normal thing. the thing that I uh, found interesting was that Joseph, I mean, Jacob made it. Yeah. Joseph made it. I said it again. Jacob made, yeah. Jacob yeah. made the coat. Mm-hmm. He didn't have yeah. a seamstress do it or one of the wives. I thought that was interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. So, so, so Joseph gets his coat mm-hmm. and the brothers have no kind words to say at all. And they're like, what are we going to do with this guy? Oh, I know. Let's get rid of him. Did you guys find it interesting that Jacob sent Joseph out to his brothers, knowing the strife and and all the stuff that was going on between them? Jacob actually sends him out to check on his brothers. Right. That's what I mean by Jacob really set him up a lot of ways. I don't think Jacob really saw saw what he had done. Mm -hmm. I don't think he understood the depths. I mean, the word says that those other brothers hated Joseph. That's a pretty mm-hmm. strong yeah. word. They hated him. And I don't think that, um, that Jacob realized just how deeply they felt, how much animosity there was, or surely he would never have, it, it couldn't have even entered his mind that they would kill him or mm. he would never have sent him off after them. Right. And I kind of, I have compassion for the brothers because you know how you, you used to like ditch kids when you were little or something like that. Everybody's playing. <laughs> yeah. okay. I was often the one who was ditched. It was like, Oh, let's play hide and seek. And then nobody looks for me. But, <laughs> I know it's sad, but that's okay. I found them. I just kept following them. <laughs> well, you know what? I, we jumped ahead to um, him going out to find his brothers and we skipped the dreams. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Oh, he has yeah. a dreamer. Yeah. So Joseph had a couple of dreams, and um, when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. Because in his two dreams, do you want me to read the actual scripture, or are we just going to talk about it? Yeah, go ahead and read it. Go ahead and read it for us, Terry. Okay. Um, He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rode rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. And his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more. So then he had and, another dream. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he this, tells it to his brothers too, yeah, which is kind of like, <laughs> why would you tell him again? Exactly. Um, yeah. So then he has another dream. And... Uh, He said, I I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So back then, they they were all about stars and moons and dreams. Uh, Having dreams like this was not unusual. And really commonplace, really. And um, 
you know, how, how much did they take it to heart? Did they believe his dreams? So I think, so I was listening to a man, uh, oh, Nabil Koresh, Dr. Koreshi. He's an apologetic and he goes, there's two ways that people, even today, um, where the Muslim community will see Jesus is through dreams. And they strongly believe the dreams, that and the kindness of someone who's a Christian. Mm-hmm. That tends to be the way they'll see Jesus. But there is still um, in the Middle East area a, a real strong belief in dreams. And don't ki- let's not kid ourselves. There's a lot of people who believe them here too, who mm-hmm. get into dream interpretation and things like that. So I believe in listening and just noticing our dreams. I, I'm not the one to come to if I'm going to interpret a dream because I make it up. And it's, it's not fun. It's funny, actually. I mean, I just would have fun with it, you know. So, um, but some people get really serious still about it, though, Terry. I mean, even now, it's still like a big thing. Yeah. I think God can still speak to us through dreams. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I don't think it's as common um, in our culture. And maybe it's because of the way our minds are kind of programmed. Um, but I do think that God can still use that method to communicate. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me that um, after Joseph tells his father and his brothers, and his father rebukes him, his father still keeps the matter in mind. Mm-hmm. So that I think that says to us that, that Jacob did place some weight on that dream, that there could be something there, um, some truth or some spiritual truth, um, for him to hold on to that, to keep that matter in mind. Um, so, so I thought see, that was interesting. Yeah, and we see early on, Joseph is walking out in faith, mm-hmm. even as a young man. Yes. So the way the guys decide to take care of that <laughs> is once Joseph problem. comes out. Um, yeah, Joseph goes looking for him. His dad yeah. sends him out to find the brothers. Um, and he finds him near Dothan. Yes. But they see him coming because he's got that great coat on. Right. And so he's easily recognizable. And as they see him coming, they decide that they're going to kill him. They start plotting to kill him. Yeah. Here comes that dreamer. That's what they say. That dreamer. That dreamer. Yeah. They, they had to have some really, um, a lot of anger going that way. Because it's like, oh, here yeah. comes that dreamer. Come now, let's kill him. Let's just kill him. <laughs> like, yeah. That's like your second thought, you know? Yeah. Which is interesting because he really poses no threat. I mean, he's way down in the birth order. Mm-hmm. He's he's younger than most of the others. So what what real threat did he did he pose? No physical threat at all, no material threat. So it's just the idea that he thought too highly of himself that irks them um, and makes them hate him. Right. Mm-hmm. And it couldn't be as simple as like, you know what, let's take this kid down a notch. Let's, yeah. you know, pop him in the nose and show him up and really, boss. right. You yeah. know, tie him to a tree and let him stay overnight or whatever. No, they're like, mm, let's kill him. Let's and then we're going to throw him into a pit and we're going to let the wild animals eat him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So or actually like, kill him first, then put him in the cistern. Yes. Yeah. And then... Oh, and then say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Right. But then Reuben goes, oh, let's not shed his blood. Let's not do that. Right. Well, and now Reuben is the oldest, right? right? And so yeah. he probably feels 
the most responsibility as the head of the family. When his father dies, he would be the head of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he probably feels like, oh, we don't want to really get into that genocide. So let's not do that. Let's just throw mm-hmm. him in the cistern. And then he's thinking, and I'll come back and take him out mm-hmm. later on. So that would teach him a lesson. Like Suzanne said earlier, you know, let's just take him down a notch. Go ahead and throw him in the cistern, scare the daylights out of him, and then I'll come back and rescue him. Um, and then they threw him down. They took his coat and they had lunch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's right. no big deal. Now let's have lunch. <laughs> yeah, let's eat. So I wonder, what jo- <laughs> I wonder what Joseph was thinking. When he was in the well, in the cistern. Well, well it would be pretty scary down there, don't you think? Well, yeah. I think, and remember, they took, they took, they took <laughs> his robe, and then they just left. So a cistern is where they would keep water if there wasn't right. a well, right? Yes. So fortunately for him, the water was, or the well was empty. Fortunately mm-hmm. or unfortunately, it depends on what time of year it was. And right. um, hey, if know. it was full, he could have floated out right. or drowned. Okay, <laughs> drowned. or drowned. Yeah. <laughs> um, at least he could have had a cup of water. But you yes. know, now he's sitting in the dry, and so while he's down there, um, they, the brothers, um, decide that they're going to sell him. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the cavern's coming by, and they go, "Hey, this is a great idea." I yeah. don't think Reuben was there though at the time they thought this one up. Right? No, Reuben has disappeared from the story at this point for a right. little bit. Right. right. So, yeah. So they sell him for twenty shekels to this caravan that's going on its way to Egypt. Yep. Right. And so then he's off, and never to be thought of again in their in the brothers' minds. The brothers take the. Um, the robe and they slaughter a goat, put the robe in the blood and then take the robe, the bloody robe back to Jacob. And they say, um, and this is verse 32 in chapter 37. It says they took the ornate robe back to their father and said, we found this examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, it is my son robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we see that this lowly brother, who was the favorite, um, kind of the pampered, spoiled one, right? And they thought yeah. they were going to get rid of him and be done with it. But then Jacob says, "I will mourn for the rest of my days." And the other—I mean, talk about a slap in the face to the siblings, right? They're like, "Father, we're here to comfort you." Yeah, you know, whatever. And he's like, "No, get away! I'll yeah, mourn. Leave for me my, alone. Leave me alone." Yeah. Yeah. But now Joseph is in Egypt and he's in Potiphar's house. And so what's interesting to me about that is that, um, and we're in in 39 now, is um, he comes in, he's, Potiphar is an Egyptian who is one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. 
And I love this. He bought him from the Ishmaelites. So Ishmael, mm-hmm. remember that? Yeah. And um, it's like probably his cousin sold him, I guess, at some level. And um, so he, um, so all of a sudden, the Lord was with Joseph and, and, and he prospered. Mm-hmm. So somewhere between the well and the caravan, he kind of caught that, oh, this may not be a good thing for me to be like this. So I think Joseph learned pretty quickly. Yeah to look around him and start studying people and start studying what was going on around him because all of a sudden now he's prospering in Potiphar's house. Yeah. A little situational awareness. Yeah. He has does a, a little bit more. Cistern can do that for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, getting back to that, like um, some Angie, I think said, what do you think he was thinking when he was in there? And later on when the brothers are talking amongst themselves, um, in front of Joseph, but in Hebrew, they don't know that he can understand them. They are afraid of him because they and they said, wasn't he like crying out to us and asking us to, you know, save him and get him out of there? And we didn't listen. Mm-hmm. So he was, you know, I mean, he wasn't sitting in there passively, just hoping they'd change their minds. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so maybe he had a come to Jesus moment. <laughs> Mm, um, right. somewhere between being thrown in that cistern and arriving in Egypt that um, an encounter with God where he realized that um, he bore some responsibility for what was happening to him but his faith in God must be pretty strong because God is with him from here on out right he doesn't let and go of that he doesn't let go of that and it's a pretty big way that God shows himself faithful mm-hmm Right. So he's he's now an Egyptian slave <coughs> in the um the household, like the overall household of the Pharaoh, because he mm-hmm. is in Potiphar's home. Mm-hmm. Um and Potiphar is the captain of the guards, which is a big honk and huge deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big and, position. Right, right. And so um and Joseph is moving along um, in responsibility and in respect in Potiphar's house. Um, and he, Potiphar's wife, maybe um, could leave some things to be desired personality-wise. Um, <laughs> can, we, can we say it like that? Yeah. Um, so she sees that Joseph is... Um, well-built and handsome. This is mm-hmm. um, chapter 39, verse 6. He says, yes. Now Joseph was well-built well and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and says, Come to bed with me. So she's and, direct. She's very direct. direct. Yeah. Yes. And Joseph must have been quite a piece of eye candy. Mm-hmm. Apparently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, Joseph's like, this is not good. I'm out of here. Yeah. So she grabs his coat well, he had taken off his coat, she, but she holds on to his coat and uses it um, to show Potiphar. She says to Potiphar, you know, look at what this man has done to me. And cause she's mad, right? Because mm-hmm. he right. didn't give in. Yeah. And so she's like, look, I have his coat. He even took his coat off here. And so mm-hmm. this is for me to prove to you. And so Potiphar is angry. But as we go along it can be surmised that Potiphar is not necessarily angry 
At Joseph. At Joseph. But yeah. at his wife. Um, because it, one of the verses earlier says, Potiphar, because Joseph was so favored of the Lord and everything was running so smoothly under his stewardship, mm-hmm. that Potiphar didn't even concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Right. So Joseph is running the show for him. Yeah. So mm-hmm. at this point, Potiphar could have had him killed. But he doesn't. And so this is kind of where the story ends today. What he does instead is he has him put in prison. And so we will. Well, one of the things I want to, one last verse I want to read is at the very end of nine, Joseph says, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? So God. He, he's aware that sleeping with Potter's first wife would be a sin against God and that it would be a wicked thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I think that really shows a heart change, um, that Joseph is well aware that everything that he has in life has come from God's hand. Yeah. How could you not be aware, considering mm-hmm. all that he has come through? How yeah. could you not be aware that it is by the grace of God that you are where you are? Except I think oh, sometimes I think- human nature is pretty, we're presumptuous. You know? I think, you know, he was, he lived in his father's household until he was 17. So he grew up learning about God and um, well, yeah. doing all the things that they Hebrews were supposed to do and keeping, you know, what law they had at that point. And um, I think he, he definitely knew God or at least knew who he was mm-hmm. and yeah. what was expected of a, a, a Hebrew. Right. But he never seems to blame God. You know, think about us. How often do bad things happen and we say, oh, you know, why did you let that happen to me? Mm -hmm. How could you let that happen to me? Um, I know I've had that conversation with the Lord sometimes. Lord, really, I'm your girl. How could you let that happen? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't appear that that Joseph ever um, does that. You know, he learns from his mistakes. And maybe, you know, I do believe that what you put in a child as they're growing up, Mm-hmm. takes root and grows. The word promises that. So you're right, Terry. God had, his family had planted all that faithfulness of God in him and who God was, that knowledge of God. That was all there. Mm-hmm. And it came to fruition. It, it took root, it grew, it blossomed. And, um, and he's absolutely aware now that God is his source. So that to us could also be a point of faith as we're looking at the point of faith in Joseph, is that when things are are in us, it's not going to be wasted. So the training that he had up in God, that proved to be fruitful at a time when he really needed that. You know, as we find out, um, Joseph's going to go to prison now, but that's a good thing instead of being killed. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to pick it up at the next one and talk about what he does from there. But I, I think really just as we're looking at this through faith, Joseph was able to hang on to God. The things that were planted in him when he was young about God, they stayed. They got stronger under stress, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you really think about what Joseph was thinking in that well or when they pulled him out of that well and he saw his brother's faces, mm-hmm. right? And, and then he's traveling and he becomes a slave. I mean, you will grab onto something and generally you'll grab onto what you've been taught, hopefully in a good way. So... Okay. Great. So I'll pray for us to um, finish this up today. All right. Great. Thanks. 
Father, we just thank you and praise you for um, your faithfulness. Lord, you were certainly faithful to Joseph through some pretty terrible circumstances, some circumstances that would have been overwhelming for most people. Um, And yet, Father, we see that you brought him through um, being thrown in a well, being sold into slavery, being lied about and sent to prison. Um, It's just, it's a pretty amazing story um, that you've shared with us when you've shown us Joseph's life in the book of Genesis. And Father, we thank you for that because it's a good opportunity for us to see how just because things look bad, doesn't mean that you don't have a plan and a purpose and a hope and a future for us. Mm. Um, And I pray, Father, that as we study Joseph and his life with you, that you will birth in us um, an understanding of just how faithful you really are and that you can take any situation that we might encounter and turn it for our good and for the good of your people. So, Father, thank you for sharing this with us. I pray your blessing on everyone that's here with us today, um, that's listening to your word. I thank you, Father, that wherever your word is spoken, it brings light and it brings life, Um, that your word never um, goes out without accomplishing some purpose. And so we just thank you and praise you for that, Lord, in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Ha <laughs> <laughs>